0: Hey okay, everyone, welcome to another episode of Easy Conversations, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dania. In this week's episode, I sit down with Big Al Casey from Lads, Dads, and a Couple of Beers podcast. Al shares his story of struggling with mental health from childhood and then becoming a semi-professional boxer. Al also talks about the fight that he went into Had he won, he would have become a professional boxer. But unfortunately, that fight only lasted 15 seconds because Al suffered a seizure um, from pre-existing back problems. Al talks about the mental health implications from that fight of getting so close and missing out. And then he also talks about suffering from vision problems now from fighting early in his life. Al also shares the work he's doing in the mental health space. I really hope you can get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end you can leave a five-star review, I truly appreciate it. All right, Alex, thanks for joining the podcast today. I appreciate you taking the time and super grateful for you to come on here and share your story. No um, before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to quickly introduce yourself, where, where you are and some of the work you're doing as well and and how we connected obviously was over instagram uh through our accounts so yeah just wanted to hand it over to you and then we'll get into our conversation today
1: so my name is uh, alexander casey i'm 34 i'm from uh, london england um i am an ex semi-professional boxer um I'm currently working um as a social media content creator um i'm part of a a, a team of internet pranksters called uh, Woody and Cliny. They're, they're quite well known across the internet. They have, I think close to 10 million followers now across all platforms. So uh, get quite a fair bit of exposure from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my own podcast called lads, dads, and a couple of beers. Um, I mean, the expression lads and dads is quite a, uh, quite, quite big in the UK. It's quite, it's quite a UK ism if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been working social media for a couple of years now. Um, and, I guess a lot of people always say, oh, what's your claim to fame? Uh, we had a, a, a video we did um, as, part of the, as part of the social media team, which was a, a tattoo video uh, in which uh, I received a really nice mental health tattoo. And it's kind of boosted my mental health advocate career, if you want to call it that.
0: Awesome. And what inspired you to kind of go into the whole mental health field and around the work you're doing other than obviously the tattoo, but uh, what are the other things that have inspired you? So I, I always kind of, I always suffer from mental health
1: when I was younger, but I, I never kind of really knew how to deal with it. Um, I used to have a lot of situations when I was younger, especially in social situations where I just, I just felt different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's probably different around the world. I mean, there's such a stigma attached to it anyway, but from where I'm from and my family, it's, it's kind of like a London hardened sort of you just you just get on with things you don't you don't look at you don't look at your problems too too much you don't dwell on stuff you just stiff up a lip and get on with stuff and i kind of have always always had that mentality in the back of my mind but it was never mine mentality Mm -hmm. um and i just had problems as like growing up just just trying to deal with with how i was feeling and, and not being able to put put anything to it um never knew what anxiety was never knew what depression was um and then I, I started working with, with Woody and Kleiney and, and the other people within the team, Team WAC, as we're commonly known. Mm-hmm. And I, I, a few of them just picked up on on the way I was in, in certain situations. And um, I was feeling quite down at one particular point. And one of the guys from the team said, you know, what's going on? And I, I leant on him. And, and he we spoke about mental health a lot. Um, and it kind of helped me open up and talk and realise and understand these things. And, and from that, I went and saw some specialists and um, therapists and got some counselling. And just realised that I wasn't—it it wasn't just something that I suffered with. It was something that other people suffer with. And mm-hmm. was able to speak about it candidly and openly, and, and just and feel that release as well talking about it. Um, and then we we did a film in one day where we had to give each other a tattoo. Uh, as part of a, a comedy skit that we did for the channel but we we weren't to know what each other's tattoo was and we were going to be blindfolded mm-hmm. which is you know thinking about his stupidest thing, <laughs> to think, <laughs> thing to do but um i mean that's what we do it's content it's funny that's that's kind of what we're like so we agreed to it of course we did um and i gave him a a tattoo based around his 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 love of football so soccer mm-hmm. um his team in in England in London's called West Ham United, and their main rival is Millwall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So to put it into context, it's kind of like um, Yankees and the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. You know, it's quite a huge rivalry. And I and for some reason, Ollie's got a mad phobia of mushrooms. It's a great, yeah. cra- it's a great, it's crazy. But he has this phobia of mushrooms. So I got tattooed on his thigh, the top of his thigh, a plate of mushrooms and the Millwall FC logo. So every time he goes to the toilet, he can see, he sees this, <laughs> he sees this tattoo and he got me, I'm thinking, no, oh, he's going to go for me. He's really going to stitch me up. And he got me a, he did, he did this, this tattoo, which was a head with all this stuff coming out of it. And, and the quote around it said, don't suffer in silence. The, the pack is stronger together. And it just, it just took a turn the video and, and from that, I kind of had my my hand forced to talk about mental health uh-huh. and it kind of this was a couple of years ago now but it kind of launched me into this this voice I never had knew I had to talk about mental health and speak about that my experiences and what I went through as a child and my, what I went through in my adult life and the stigmas attached to it and it's just it's just it's just come from strength to strength uh-huh. and here I am talking to you so yeah, yeah that, that, that's it really yeah, no, an that's elongated intro introduction, but once you get me talking, I can't shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. That's uh, why we're here. It's uh, for you to share, um, and yeah, I think part of it is talking through it. Also gives you that freedom and it liberates you in the sense that you know mm. not only are you sharing your story, um, it's almost yeah, like I said, it, it's liberating. But you're also helping others who are suffering in silence, like you did at one point, right? Yeah, and, definitely. Um, so I guess. Before we jump into like the boxing side of things, like, do you mind sharing some of the, just for the listeners, like some of the struggles you may have had at early on in your life, like you mentioned um, as a child, or as you were getting into adulthood, whether it was around anxiety or depression and, you know, wh- what were some of the coping mechanisms you were using? Obviously they may not have been appropriate at the time, but mm. obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So just looking back, what were some of those challenges and what were some of the things you were doing to cope?
1: I think for, for me personally, it was, I mean, look, let, let's be completely honest. Depression and, and anxiety is not something that was really spoken about even 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only it's only in the last, I would say f- five years that it's become more mainstream and and socially acceptable to say you suffer from anxiety and depression. And like I said in in the introduction I was kind of from a from a family and this is nothing against my family I I know Mm -hmm. they listen to a lot of the interviews that I do but um it's just the truth of the matter that we're from a hardened sort of stiff upper lip London family Mm -hmm. um it's kind of it's kind of hard to to describe the kind of energy around families from London it's it's a different kind of vibe it's Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 the working class struggles that you just get on with things um so i found that extra hard and i i I, like i said i always knew i was different and look i'm i'm one of the guys i like going out and doing stuff with the lads and and having fun with the boys and you know boys 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 and that kind of society now that you know guys are like that but i just i i never could go beyond a certain point with it i would never engage in the in the alpha off if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so you know you see a bunch of guys on a night out and they're all having a great time. They, who can be the loudest in the room? And, and I just could never engage in that. And I always thought, oh, why is that? And I just thought, well, that's just not me. It's just not what I'm like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it got to a point where it'd be like, like in the boxing gym, there was a lot of ego and a lot of, a lot of alphas. And I just found myself, it's a bit of an oxymoron really, because it's not fear. It's not nervousness mm-hmm. because I'm not a fearful person. Mm-hmm. You know what I've, I've accomplished stuff in life which people people wouldn't have based on conquering fears but it was just and it's just, it's anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I remember speaking to a friend of mine and he was like, mate you've, you've got anxiety you, It's based from something it's tr- from it triggers from something And I kind of he, he, he said it, the analogy that he gave was perfect. it was imagine being rushing to work. Every single person in the world is attached to their cell phones, their mobile phones. It's, it's, it's their, it's their left, desk their right hand. It's, you know, it's their third hand. Mm-hmm. And you, you're on the train and you put it on the seat and you look up and you, oh, it's your stop. So you run off the train and then you get off the train and you look and you're like, where's my phone? And you can see it on the seat and the train's going that initial burst mm-hmm. is how I would feel about walking into a gym, walking into class Um, walking to the supermarket, getting out of my car at at, at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. just walking out my front door. Oh, you know, the the neighbours are looking out the window at me. Mm -hmm. And it was this anxiety that I couldn't quite grasp and understand. Uh, And when I spoke to a therapist and and, and, um, and had counselling, it stemmed from this fear of abandonment that I had from when my father left when I was young, Mm -hmm. that I I kind of feel like I have to, I overthink every social situation because I'm worried that the person is going to, one, not like me, two, I won't be enough, three, they'll abandon me. And it sounds quite drastic to the average person who doesn't suffer from mental health issues, but to other people, and I know people will resonate with it for people from mm-hmm. your listeners, that it's, it's, it's these things that that mold you. And I've learned not to, not to let it be a negative, Mm -hmm. that's, that's just my makeup. That's just how I am. That's my, Mm -hmm. that's who, that's the the hand that God's given me, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's how to, it's how to use it. It's how to notice when I'm going to have a bad day, when I'm okay, when I'm not okay, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, it's important to highlight that the fear of abandonment is very common. um, And obviously it stems from childhood and we all kind of have it in a different ways. And for me, I have it as well. But the positive, like you said with it, is you can obviously focus on the negative aspects of it. Um, it does create anxiety, but at the same time, it makes you more compassionate. It makes you mm-hmm. more aware of other people's emotions. It, you're, you're way more sensitive to that kind of stuff. You're, you have more empathy. So there is that positive aspect of it that you know we can focus on as well. By having those fears, you know it's not all doom yeah, and gloom. definitely. So I fi-
1: I find as well, like from so sorry to cut you off, but no. I, I find I find from myself as well is that look I look a certain way, you know. Uh, I, I meet people quite often who I speak to on the phone, and they look at me and go, "Oh, I'd never have thought you looked like that," because look, I'm covered in tattoos. I've yeah. got tattoos all over my neck. I've got them. I've got them everywhere. I look, you know. Let's let's be honest. I look like I've just got out of prison. A lot of people say it to me all the time, but yeah, I'm not, I'm just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I choose to express myself in certain ways. Um, and I like talking to people, like you say, you're turning the negatives into a positive where they see that if look, if someone can look at me and think, right, that's a stereotypical alpha male, which I get a lot. A lot of people do a lot of people avoid me mm-hmm. because they think I'm a certain way because of the way I look
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they see that, it can bring someone like me to its knees, and and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, to my knees. Like, I've walked in the I've walked in the front of my house before, and it's just crippled me. Like, it's it's like someone's got a a block of cement, and they've just put it on the top of my head, mm-hmm. and it's pushing me down and down and down. And I use analogies like that all the time with people, and they're just they're just shocked. But that's a good thing that I can represent myself in a certain way, and and people take that positivity that. If, if it can affect them, it can affect me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and obviously mental health has no barriers and it, <laughs> it, there's no, it doesn't filter based on the way you look, you know, it no. affects everyone the same and mm-hmm. it's important to have these conversations. And I guess the other thing I wanted to highlight in what you mentioned was, and I recently did another podcast where that fear of not being accepted or mm-hmm. feeling different, is what creates anxiety because any, like you said, any social situation you would go into, or to the boxing yeah. gym, in your head you knew you were different than the guys, mm-hmm. and potentially that fear of just not being accepted or being different was probably what created those anxious feelings of walking into those situations.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you know, to use another analogy, it's like being that guy who's waiting his turn to say his joke. Mm-hmm. And you say it, and just no one laughs. Like yeah. it goes down like a lead balloon. Like no one laughs at all.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like, ah, oh, crap! Everyone's laughing at me. You know, it's just it's that you, you yeah. fear you fear those situations all the time. I kind of I went through a stage where I, I masked it with alcohol. Like I, I would I would drink not too excessive amounts. Mm-hmm. My, my father's an alcoholic, so I've kind of always been aware of that that po- potential genetic. Side so i could creep in so i've always been quite cautious of, of drinking i like mm-hmm. a drink but i don't i don't drink to excess but I, there was a time when i would i would do it to gain that confidence and that's when people would say oh they'd never known, they'd never known."
0: Mm-hmm. yeah but internally you were masking those feelings through mm-hmm. alcohol right so hugely yeah yeah so so i guess uh then going into your boxing career and you know maybe like explain a little bit because you said you were semi-professional what was that like and then the other thing i want to touch on is you know something we kind of touched on briefly before the podcast is some of the the uh physical issues that come after right whether it's uh blows to the head and all of that so yeah if you want to get into that a little bit
1: so i i boxed when i was younger um Mm -hmm. i was part of an amateur boxing club here in Lon- in London where I live um I kind of never really had a problem standing up for myself um I kind of I'd, I wouldn't say I was hot-headed or I would lose my temper quickly but I just knew that I'm not, I'm not you know it's fight or fright isn't it you know you either back Shit. down or you get you get stuck in so to put it and I just was never someone to to back down um mm-hmm. so I channeled channeled my my emotions and anger from when i was a kid of of my father leaving through the boxing club and i loved it and as you naturally get older through life you know becoming a teenager you you know you find friends you find girls (laughs) you know you find all the things that you do when you're a teenager um and then around my early 20s i i I, i'd kind of gained quite a lot of weight and i thought you know what i'm going to get back into boxing um so i went along to my local gym and there was there was a guy there who i noticed who was always wearing this this tracksuit that had a boxing promotion company on on his on his tracksuit his logos of all boxing promotions um and i i started a conversation with him said i used to box can i can i come down to to the gym and he said yeah come down and i went down and he, he, he gave me like a trial which i found quite strange but i you know i, I passed i was fine i was allowed in the club yeah um and then he set me up with a, with, a, with a fight pretty quickly in six weeks. I was training for this fight and I I wasn't right mentally at the time. I remember not feeling right and I didn't take it seriously. I I was going into fight as a heavyweight and I was just really out of shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I lost in the second round, uh, but the referee waved it off. I was just taking an absolute hiding. Um and I just remember that humiliation. And I thought, why have I put myself through this? You know, there's there is. This was in a this was in a hotel, but there was a good thousand people there mm-hmm. at this hotel. And I could hear I could hear my family screaming as well. And I just thought, why have I done this? And I look, I come out the ring and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I just I remember seeing all the cuts and bruises. And I thought, I've got to do it again. I've got to prove to myself I've got I've got, still got it in me. So I had my next fight. Um, which was lined up with a guy, but he pulled out, and so they had to get a last-minute step in. And the guy that stepped in was a guy I was familiar with from the area where I live. Has been quite a notorious, quite a notorious. How do I put it? I wouldn't say villain. That's the wrong word because I don't think he's ever been prosecuted yeah. for anything. But he was just that guy, you know. Everyone yeah. knows that guy. Yeah. He I and mean, he was that guy, and I thought, oh my god, like there's no way in hell I'm gonna, I'm gonna win. And I beat him. I beat him within three rounds. Uh, And this was still in sort of like an amateur sort of setting. Mm -hmm. And then the promotion came to me and he said, look, we're going to step you up now. We're going to go into a leagues. Um, Let's see what we can do. Bigger venue. Next fight got announced. Um, I won that Uh, 2000 people. We were back into really good shape. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to try Mm -hmm. and turn professional. I set all my ambitions on turning professional. Um, my best friend is a is a MMA fighter. Um, he was he's done quite well on, on the British circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, came very 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 close to UFC, but injury sort of halted that. And I got told before I was fighting in this particular fight like, you win this and you'll get a title fight, uh, a semi professional title fight, which then puts you. Puts you out there for people to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I trained my ass off for that, and I, I won the fight. Um And I was just really good. And then, and then I started getting the, the people calling me out from different areas and different parts of the country. And this one guy he was just on my case all the time. Oh, you know, the, the, the stuff on the stuff online. We were having a lot of back and forth on Twitter, uh, a lot of stuff spoken through social media, like just just trash talk. You know, it's part of the game. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's just what it is. Um, it's one thing I've always been really good at I'm quite quick quite witty yeah um, my friend would I had a friend of mine who, who chipped in every now and again and said you'll never win like you know yes you might beat him in the ring but you'll never win trying to like catch him on a joke I love. I just, yeah. every time he had something, I had something back for him and yeah I noticed they had quite a following the fight got announced and it was the first fight where they were doing a press conference so I had that all lined up and I and the I thought I'd shaken shake, sorry I thought I'd shaken off all the anxiety and depression. I thought I would got rid of it, and I'd cut weight for this fight, and I hadn't cut weight well. And we got to the day of the weigh-in, and I was I was really 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 scared. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why I'm not this guy? I'm not this guy. And for the first time in my life, I had fright. I didn't have fight. I had fright, and I didn't know what to do. And I tried to hide it from everyone. So it came to the the, the, the way in and we did the weigh-in and we had the face-off. Um, I, I was the, the reigning champion, so I had the belt and he got in my face and he's, he's staring me down and I took my top off because he had his top on still, so I took my top off and it, looking back it's probably the worst thing I could have done because I hadn't cut weight that greatly, so I, I, didn't, I didn't look in the best of shape. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I was fit. Yeah. You know, I've always said you haven't got to be in the best shape of your life to, to, to be an athlete. Look at Andy Ruiz Jr., who beat Anthony Joshua you know, mm-hmm. two years ago. And you know, he's probably one of the fattest heavyweights in all the boxing. <laughs> yeah. And he was, you know, and he was that one, you know, the undisputed heavyweight champion as well. So I wasn't over that bothered about I was not never body conscious, but we had a bit of back and forth, and I, I said something in his ear. I won't repeat what I said. Um and then I went online. This is the night before the fight as well. So I went online and the comments were just, I mean, I was getting absolutely slated from all angles. Like, oh, look at this guy. Who does he think he is? Look at all them prison tattoos. Look at those Nazi tattoos. I haven't got any Nazi tattoos. I'm not a neo-Nazi. Yeah. But look at these Nazi tattoos. Look at this guy. Oh, nice boobs. And, oh, look at Fat Man taking his top off. And, oh, go on, Jimmy, smash him and all this. And I was just like, my God, I, I shouldn't have read these. And I never used to be that bothered about it. But that's when, from that particular moment, and since then, obviously working social media and having a quite a large following myself, I've never been able to deal with trolls. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not thick-skinned. I've learned I'm quite thin-skinned, mm-hmm. which is something now, look, I'm going to openly admit to people, I'm, I am thin-skinned. I don't take a joke too well. I can't help it. That's the way I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm reading all these comments and it got in my head. So the day of of fight, I'm like, I've got to do it. I've got to do this. I've got to do it. And I just didn't feel right. Uh, my head weren't there, waiting. You know, we keep crossing over each other backstage. And at one point, he looked at me and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to go and talk to him. So I went over to talk to him. And my coach got in the way I said, Where are you going? I said, I need to just go and have a chat with him. He said, are You crazy? Like, no. Why would you do that? I said, And I wanted to go and talk to him. And in a sense, kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what I would have said, but if Mm -hmm. I'm being completely honest, I think I would have said to him, look, I'm not feeling this. You're going to win. Mm -hmm. I don't know why whatever would possess me to do that is the stupidest thing you could do as a boxer before, you know, go over to your opponent and go, look, I'm really scared you're going to beat me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we went to do the walkout and they played the wrong song, my walkout music. So I'm like, oh, great. That's (laughs) in my head now.
0: That's another thing.
1: I'm like, right, okay, so it's a long walk to the ring. And as I'm walking, I had to walk past his, his supporters. And this is quite a large venue, by the way. This is like, it was probably close to 3,000 people there. Mm-hmm. And his, his people were getting in my face, pointing at me. And I had the home crying advantage. And you'd never have known. I couldn't even hear him because all I could see was he's following. And he's shouting, and he's screaming, just hurling abuse. And I'm like, caught it in my head. And I got in the ring and I just looked him in his eyes and I thought, I'm going to die or you're going to die. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't think of it like, oh, we want death in the ring, but mm-hmm. I just thought I have to get through this fight. He come out the corner. I, I caught him straight away, swung a left, I went left uppercut. I rolled under one of his punches and I felt something go. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. And my back went into a spasm, and I, I, uh, I had two slipped discs oh. within 14 seconds of the first round. And I just hit the deck, and I started having a seizure. And I, what I could hear was just people, my family screaming, the paramedics come running in. And to be fair to Jimmy, he was on his knees next to me, holding my hands, saying, come on, come on, play. it's okay, it's okay. Like, forget the fight, you're, you're okay. And I couldn't talk, I was, I was in a spasm. My sister was in a hysterics, so they're trying to calm her down. My wife was screaming. They got me out of the ring. Um, and because it took so long, we, we was the co-main event. So there was the main event after my fight. I had to cancel the rest of the evening. I went to the hospital, was in for a couple of days and then released me. And I had a long rehabilitation to get back to, just to getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of the darkest times of my life because I had so many things happen. I, I'd let all my fans down, I'd let I'd let my family down, I'd let all the people down there, I'd let all the other people that were there to support the main event down. I'd cost people thousands and pounds of money. My sponsors were obviously, you know, mm-hmm. they were like, what can we do? Um and then I'm getting hate then even more, like People saying, "Oh, you know, you knew you had an injury. You shouldn't have gone into the fight." And I said, do you know what? I I, I didn't know I had a little pain there, but I just, you know, I got on with it, um, which was a stupid thing to do, and that caused me one of the the, the biggest spirals of depression I've ever had. And I and yeah, I, I I since then I've I've had I had one fight to try and get myself back into it, uh, like an exhibition fight, mm-hmm. um, but then I was diagnosed with. Uh, Optimum, optimum nerve damage in my left eye, and uh, a pinhole it's called keratotosis in my right eye, which is bulging of the eyeball, uh, and which I told I'll be I'll be probably I'd have, I'm probably going to have about ten percent vision in both eyes by the time I'm sixty. So it's it's played a massive part in my life, but I achieved quite a bit, and and that particular fight that I was going to have was my key fight. Like if I'd have won that, I'd have been turning professional. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 to put to to put it to put it as longly as I have it it was the greatest greatest times of my life but it's also been the worst
0: yeah no and thanks for sharing all that you know and it must be hard to look back and think about it Uh, and I guess part of the depression must have also come from like knowing you were that close Mm. and you didn't even get a fair shot at it right
1: I, I just wanted one. I, I, I never, I never said I wanted to like to all my friends and all my family. I never turned around and said to them, "I want to be the world's best boxer." I don't, I don't even care about winning, like a, a regional title, like a British title, or even a European title. Mm-hmm. And the stages of of when you turn pro, your your main objective is to win a, an area title. Then you're going to a national title, uh, England title, UK title european title commonwealth title then you start going into the ranks of like intercontinental titles then you go into world titles so there's a lot a lot of lot of titles you have to win before you're you know given a world title shot i didn't care about any of that i just wanted one professional fight so i could look on a wikipedia page and see my name and it's a professional boxer that's all i wanted
0: mm-hmm. just just
1: something to make my kids proud
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and it's, it's, hard, it's hard for me to talk about um you know i I struggle to hold back my emotion when i talk about it because ultimately like you say i I came so close but i just did it was there it was it was it was Mm -hmm. reaching the distance Mm -hmm. and just the way it happened you know 15 seconds into the biggest fight of my life (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. no and i think you know i mean the work you're doing now and being able to talk about it and, and even like be an advocate for mental health that's something to be proud of too right like i'm sure your kids would look up to that um yeah
1: I appreciate and, saying that
0: yeah no i think the fact that you're able to speak about it think about the people you're touching and impacting right so um mm-hmm. i think there's i mean that in itself takes a lot of courage um to come out and, and share your story right so but I appreciate- this
1: is why we do it you know this is this is why you do it if it helps one person that's enough i've always said that if it, mm-hmm. if, if one person messages me and said you've like you you've helped me so much uh, and I get, I'm sure you do as well. I get, I get messages quite frequently. People saying I resonated so much of what you're saying. It's such a great platform. Thank you so much for sharing. Just that one is enough, you know, that, that kind of makes up for all the bad times.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I hear from people and they're like, yeah, your podcast resonated for me, it's, it's such a good feeling because mm. you know, it makes you feel like you are making a difference in this world Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't matter where your name shows up, but the fact that you're making a difference in someone's life is huge
1: yeah definitely i think it's more prevalent as well from pe- from people like myself and you and you and you you know just just two average guys you know just yes normal run-of-the-mill fellas you know i've i think a lot of a lot of people in mainstream celebrities and stuff like that they have a lot to answer for 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 talking about mental health you know it's, you know you we have it over here with um, all the stuff that's going on at the moment with Mm -hmm. the Royal family, you know, Mm. and Piers Morgan, I'm sure you're familiar with Piers Morgan. He, he, he walked off his, his morning show that he had over here because he was being challenged over something he'd said regarding her mental health, where he'd said, Oh, I just don't believe her. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you know? But yeah, it was only two weeks prior to that. He was preaching how we've all got to look out for each other and mental health. So, important during the lockdown and coronavirus. And then when someone comes out and said they suffer from mental health based on things that were said, he dismissed it. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I do think it's important for people like myself and you to, to to keep being advocates because we're the real people, we're the real voices.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of been my goal with this platform Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure celebrities, obviously with the the lives they live, they struggle with mental health, but I think for most people, you know, it's being able to relate to people like yourself and me, where Mm -hmm. we're just, like you said, we're average people. We're just like everyone else. And when people listen to this, my goal has been to just normalize these conversations, right? So for a guy like you to come on here and talk about, you know, your story, your hustle, coming so close because often we only hear about the guys that make it you don't hear about the guys that don't make it right and sure the pain and suffering that comes with that um is also important because there's other people out there who don't make it either whether it's professional sports or other forms of like endeavors right mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it's yeah, it could be from any any job mm-hmm. you know in any work
1: environment you you got you work you might work Every night you might work weekends to get that promotion and they go and give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That happens every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely better to hear from people like us. I've always I've always thought that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so with your vision now, like obviously, uh, I'm assuming that's a lot of it with the boxing, right? Like the probably the shots you took. So um, what are you doing right now to deal with that? Like, obviously, you've gotten like the, the medical uh opinion on it but what are the things you're doing right now uh proactively to to mitigate some of that
1: i i'm currently going through the process at the moment to, to find out the best steps my i was only speaking to a guest that we had on our podcast she's 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 a friend of mine but she's also in the public eye she's um she's an actress um She's been in quite 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 a good few, few films, actually. She's a very, very talented girl. But her mother is uh, blind. She was diagnosed with a condition when Jess was 18. So her mother, you know, I'm not sure how old her mother was at the time, but, and she went fully blind and she's become an advocate for for blindness and guide dogs for the blinds. And I was talking to her about my problems and she said, well, the advances in technology between now and 30 years, you know, look at it, look positive, mm-hmm. look, look into that aspect. And I'm currently going through that transition of becoming more positive with it. Like I want to watch my kids grow up. I'm noticing weekly, like the, the, the deterioration in my eyesight. So I could still just about drive. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to drive at the moment, but in, in all honesty, I haven't. I have a, an appointment on Thursday to just sort of assess that. And I know I know what the answer is going to be. So again, it's things like that. It's it's taking. Taking another thing off me, you know, it's mm-hmm. something else I can't do. I can't take my son to school, you know. I, I can't go and pick him up from school. You know, certain situations you know, where I, where people with able sight will be able to do stuff, I'm going to struggle. But I'm looking to be more positive about it. it it's something that, again, has happened. I can't change it, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm accepting of that now. I've had my time. I've had my. I've dwelled on it. I've cried. You know. I've become. Very close to to feeling like this was going to take over my life to the point where I thought, what's the point? You know, if you can't see, what's the point of, of being here? But there are things to to be grateful for, and and I'm I'm just hoping that it, they can slow it down enough for me to just watch my kids get old, and you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll rest easy in my armchair, fat old man.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, Alex, I, again, just want to commend you for everything you've shared. You know, you've kept it real. Um, and what you've highlighted is that, you know, everyone struggles in their own way and you Mm -hmm. you can either let it consume your life or you can find the positive, uh, side of it as well, uh, which you seem to have indicated, uh, in your own life. And I know it must be tough to think about the future and the uncertainty and, some of the things so you know i wish you the best uh
1: thank you I appreciate it you know, and
0: your, all the work you're doing has been amazing i've been truly inspired by just sitting here and listening to your story um you know my heart goes out to you and um you know I, again like i said i wish everything works out for the best thank you
1: thank you very much
0: welcome and i guess for listeners that you know want to get a hold of you uh maybe reach out to you you know um based on your story or anything, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I know you mentioned you have your own podcast, but through social media and all that stuff.
1: Um, Open a window and shout. (laughs) I'm joking. Um, I don't know, pigeons. You can put pigeons out. No, I'm kidding. Um, They
0: don't travel far now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have, uh, yes, I'm I'm on Instagram, uh, Big Al Casey. Um, We also have a podcast called uh, lads dads and a couple of beers um yeah you type in big gal casey to instagram I'm, I'm right there um i've got 20 25 000 followers so i do i do read all my message requests I, i'm not i'm not someone who ignores messages even if i just like the message or mm-hmm. or show some sort of witness i've seen it i'll always respond to a message so you can reach out to me at any point any point at all
0: yeah and i mean like you know we were able to connect on instagram so that was great um and you responded right away so you know if you ever want to reach out to al give him a shout he'll respond so um you know again i want to thank you for coming on here taking the time sharing your story
1: Uh, i appreciate having me on
0: yeah no thanks well that's the end of the episode thank you again for tuning in and uh, showing your support until next week